one, and we're live. You're tuning into Cosmic Children. I'm your host, Kevin. And today, I have a very interesting guest in the studio with me. So I've been following this particular guest work for a bit, and I find him to be very interesting. So, Mr. Andre Wee, could you please introduce yourself? Thank you so much, Kevin. Um, well, I'm Andre, and I'm an illustrator, uh, or at least I tell people that on the surface. But then actually what I do is I'm an illustrator who dabbles in basically anything and everything, especially tech-related, uh, when, when I can actually bring technology into my work and experiment with that. So I try to do as much as I can across mm -hmm. the board and just have fun with it, really. Have fun with it. Yeah, that's the most important part. So with regards to the term illustrator, mm -hmm. how would you personally define this particular word? Well, that's a tricky term. I always find that it's hard to explain that, but I think to me, at least, um, I define it as just being someone who's able to take a message, an idea, an abstract thought, and visualize it in imagery. And I think that pretty much sums it up. Mm. So when I think of illustrators, I think the word artist comes out as well. Mm -hmm. So what is your relationship with regard to the word artist? Like, do you relate mm. to that? Or? It's a tricky one too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Everything's a tricky word. <laughs> yeah, because um, artist has even more, it's even more vague than what an illustrator is actually. Um, and I find that it depends on where I am. Um, like location? Location. Or? So like in Singapore, if you say I'm an artist, it has certain connotations tagged onto that. that, I that find, expectations? Yeah, there's certain expectations that people have of you which may or may not be accurate mm. when they first meet you. And it's unfortunate that, you know, these ideas are, you know, drawn up before you even can explain or show your work. Yep. So um yeah, it's a it's a it's a very vague word. So <laughs> I, I tend not to use artists so much, but yep. I do agree. Um the work that I do is art mm. and it's and you know they experiment a lot. Mm. Mm -hmm. So with regards to illustration, I'm just curious to know what inspires you to create? Uh, what inspires me to create? Really, um, just everything around me. Uh, I can watch a show and that just gets me excited. I just posted one about like Rick and Morty, for example. So everything that I interact with, be it people, entertainment, or even just food, uh, I think mm. these are things that spark inspiration for me. Um, and I think at the base of it all, it's just the interest to create something. The I interest think. to create something. Yeah, the, the want, the passion to create something. I think, I don't know, it's just something that drives me, just creating mm. things. Mm. And I just love the process of that. So so when you say creating things, does mm -hmm. it mean that it always has to be like an illustration or do you personally just leave it open? Oh, it's, it's generally open, but I know that my medium of choice tends to manifest itself through illustration. Um, I do do other things. It's just that illustration tends to be the one that I'm able to, I guess, you know, rely on more efficiently yeah. because that's the best way I know how to communicate my mm. ideas and thoughts. So how has this um, particular train of thought, has, mm -hmm. has, has it changed over the year? Like how you approach uh, getting inspired by things? Um, specifically over this year or? <laughs> um, I, I would say across your journey as a creative, yeah. Right, so you're asking if it's changed. How has it changed? Time. Or has it always remained consistent? Like, have you always been open to, to experimenting? Have you always oh, seen yeah. it this way? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, as mentioned, um, I think it's that love, ex love of experimenting that really drives it forward. And 
call it maybe a byproduct of experimenting, but you do start to, you know, see things differently. Your eyes are open to different ways of working or just approaching things differently. And, and that automatically, I think, informs your work and maybe your approach the next time around will be different because of that. And therefore that it becomes a bit more organic how it evolves over time. Mm. So yeah, I think it definitely has changed. We don't know what, how it's changed because I think it's hard to look at the mirror sometimes and be really objective about like mm. what it is you are doing sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, it takes- Because you're so close to it? Yeah, too close to it. I yeah. think perspective is really important and sometimes other people's um, view of you and your work mm. actually helps inform you even better. <laughs> So do you personally feel that you have changed with regards to your, your journey, like, like looking back at it? Or? I see, I yeah. see. Yeah, for sure. I, I started off pretty much as a editorial illustrator. Could you please define that? Um, so I created images for magazines, newspapers and stuff like that. And really enjoyed that process. But while I was doing that, I got a bit of, you know, got it that itch to want to learn more and i wanted to try things like 3d modeling because yep. i i grew up with a gamer dad yeah and I, <laughs> that's pretty cool i love video games yeah. and i wanted there was always this part of me that you know wanted to make a video game or at least just make things that looked like it or were inspired by video games and that drove this i guess this want this, this desire to then um branch out into 3d modeling and a bit of animation, yeah. real-time animation, real-time, you know, waltz and stuff like that. And, you know, one thing led to another. And yeah, the work has definitely changed over time. And uh, I now do AR and VR work aside, uh, I think, alongside my illustration work. So it has changed for sure. So I'm just curious to know <laughs> how, was it ever a conscious decision to be a, uh, to 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 pursue the arts in this particular manner, or to pursue illustration, this like in in a professional manner. What was it like in the beginning? Have you always been uh, deep and exposed to the arts and creativity? Yeah? Right. So I don't think so. Not at all. Actually, I think having grown up here, uh, going through the entire system before leaving for a school elsewhere, mm. um, I felt that I really didn't know anything. Uh, I didn't. I didn't know what an illustrator was, for example. Um, so if you, if I were to meet me, what, how many years ago? A decade. About yeah, probably yeah. plus. Uh, I, that younger me wouldn't know what the hell I'm doing, right? Now. Okay. <laughs> Illustration. What the hell is that? <laughs> so, um, so no, that. So that's kind of it. Um, I don't think I had anyone to look up to. Um, because. I just wasn't exposed to a lot of yep. the arts. Um, my parents, of course, brought me to museums and stuff like that, but there was no one, I guess, alive and kicking yep. and actually creating content that really got you excited or like inspired you to actually try your own kind of like art. So um, yeah, I, I started with basically zero um, role models or yep. direction to actually go in. And I still feel that um, that that actually helps in a way because while I do now know more, <laughs> I think a slightly more yeah, than I did back then, hopefully, <laughs> um, it's okay. I mean, it's okay not to know. I feel I, I feel like it's really I feel comfortable in that mm. in that state of not knowing what's ahead mm. and what is possible. So yeah. <laughs> so you so 
I'm just curious, what kind of games um, were you playing in the, yeah, back then? Back then? Yeah, do you um, Well, I think I was playing while I was studying. But, uh, <laughs> As uh, everyone. <laughs> yeah, so like on this table here, we've got Pokemon. Yeah, Pokemon for sure. Yeah. Uh, definitely played lots of like old school Blizzard games, like um, the really old Warcraft. Diablo 2? Diablo or all the Diablos, the Butcher. Yeah. Oh, that was so memorable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all of that, a lot of top-down um, style, I guess, video games, which yep. then informs my work also, because a lot of my work now tends to show things in an isometric perspective. Do you remember what you were thinking back then when you were playing, when you were being exposed to, I guess, when, because, because when you talk about old Blizzard games, it exposes mm-hmm. you to, I guess, something more fantastical, especially like Diablo, especially a game like Diablo or Warcraft. Mm-hmm. I think it exposes you to something that it's, it's very different compared to what you see in reality because you're talking about different races, you're talking about different worlds, you're talking about yeah. like, different classes, different jobs. So do you remember what you were thinking back then when, when, when you were playing it? <laughs> um, I just was really fascinated with, I guess, just the visuals. Uh, I, I think the law was one thing. I, w- I really was into the law, but... I think back then it just it just didn't really and I, I feel like now as a slight, slightly more matured person <laughs> I understand the law better I couldn't appreciate it as much mm-hmm. back then but I did really enjoy the visuals and I think that you know it's evident in the work that I do um, but yeah it was fantastic mm. um, there was a lot of room for imagination mm-hmm. uh, because it was pixelated I think mm. when when the content is so pixelated, a lot of it relies on your imagination and how you actually, you know, visualize everything, the world um, that someone else tried to express in another way. Uh, it's it's probably inaccurate the way I envision it, mm. but that's the fun part. I think it's like reading a book. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Is that is it something that you you personally prefer? Like even even to today, because with regards to how graphics. Uh, the, the the graphical fidelity of, of different games right now. I think that on one particular segment of like the, the gaming industry, they're pushing for more realistic, mm-hmm. more real-time rendering and stuff like that. But then you have the flip side. Consequentially, some of them, most of them are indie games. They they, they stick very close to a certain aesthetic mm-hmm. that leaves a lot to the imagination. Mm-hmm. Do you find yourself personally preferring something that is more perhaps more imaginative as opposed to something more like realistic? In... You mean when I look for a video game to play? Yeah. Um, well, maybe. Uh, I mean, I do enjoy both of them. Um, I think they both do something totally different for me. Um, so like you said, the older, the older approach to it where it's a bit more pixelated, even if it's modern games that are inspired by what, 16 and 8-bit yep. graphics. Yep. Yep. Um, I think that that's beautiful, of course, it, gets the imagination running uh, and there's nostalgia to mm. that. So uh, <laughs> we're, we're at that age where that, you know, that's a currency there. Yeah, it's a currency. <laughs> so uh, I do enjoy that. Um, and that's why I built video game, uh, Game Boys and video games for it now. But uh, with the new high fidelity graphics, the, you know, next gen graphics cards, um, I love that stuff because it's just something I just geek out about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when I don't know, I don't know if you do this when you play video games. If you play video games, then, I do. Yeah, I 
I play it just to look at the furniture. Like, like, like the let's say, you, yeah, you, I walk around looking at all of the furniture, the environment, how they made the metal reflective and like, the dust lay on that. So it's, it's a bit mad, I think. <laughs> but it's just appreciating the, the, the amount craft. of hours and craft actually yeah. going into like, like a chair that someone might just miss or not even notice. <laughs> Most people don't see it. Yeah. They're like, oh, I didn't notice there was a yeah. chair in, I don't know, like, what Halo and stuff yeah. like, or even like um, Dishonored, which is a beautiful game. So I love games with a bit more of a art direction like that. And um, yeah, I really appreciate these really made sometimes realistic or stylized um, environments that they create, which then I always wonder how it's done mm. or I try to replicate it in my own way and yeah. stuff like that. Being a creator yourself, mm -hmm. when you consume games like that and you play it, does it ruin the the magic of it? The magic of it? <laughs> um, well, I don't think so. Um, well, I mean, I, I think I ruin it for other people because I'm just <laughs> walking around looking at, you know, the chair yeah. and really just saying, that's this amazing chair. Who cares about shooting? Yeah. Um, so no party it. games for you? No. <laughs> Unfortunately, no. <laughs> no um, I don't think it ruins the fun for me um, because... I think I'm able to, you know, sometimes just draw the line and just play and have fun. Mm. Um, I mean, that's the whole point of the video game, right? Just to have fun. But of course, I like to take time, make sure I save the game, uh, <laughs> take my time and just look around. Mm. Yeah. So I believe you went abroad to study. That's right. To pursue, uh, was it a Bachelor in Fine Arts? Yeah, BA, yeah, B <laughs> BFA, BFA, yeah. yeah. So, so prior to that, did you have any... Uh, creative uh, practice or background before pursuing that? Um, well, before that, I think, I mean, I did do the art elective program in okay. Singapore uh, when I was in Nanyang Junior College. Uh, but prior to that, no, that was, I, I mean, I was not given the, the opportunity to pursue art mm. um, because the schools I went to, I think they took it out um, oh, okay. Of the uh, this the, the school the curriculum, the curriculum yeah. yeah. Um, when I was what in secondary three, so mm. they took it out, and yeah, there was just no art. So mm. I had to actually kind of like fake my way into taking art at all levels, and I got to do that, and then I did an A levels, and that's pretty much all the art I've done. <laughs> <laughs> I did take part in a lot of competitions mm. during that time because that's what the AEP program did for us. They actually involved us with lots of exhibitions and lots of competitions and I think that that gave me the confidence and gave my parents the confidence to say yeah maybe you got something here you, <laughs> since you wanted that phone so bad and the competition won you a phone yeah you, you could get you could live a bit you know <laughs> with that kind of lifestyle yeah. I think yeah so um yeah that was pretty much it I did love drawing mm. and that's never died what which school did you go to um, you mean in the States? Yeah. yeah. So I went to the States and I went to the Rhode Island School of Design. Mm. Uh, we call it RISD. Mm. Uh, and I really loved it. <laughs> what What did you love about it? Uh, well, I think that that for me was the, I mean, firstly, the, the opportunity to go there was the turning point for me uh, in my, I guess, my career and for, for the arts. Um, because what it did for me was that it opened my eyes to not just you know, other ways of creating, but also meeting people mm. of 
all kinds of walks of life and 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 that's just crazy because i feel like back here we don't have that much variety or at least we don't get to interact that much with other people mm. uh maybe two years in the army but even then well, i mean it's how, a different, small yeah, size, yeah. how different can we be yep. right um so yeah i mean i love that part of it um it really opened my eyes to i guess the the world the bigger world that's out there and also it it that enabled me to look back at what i have and mm. what i am as a singaporean yep and that actually that reflection actually helped me define myself and i think that <laughs> most of the time informs my work right because there's a lot of you in your work that you create and i think that that was really important for me so it gave you certain perspective yeah some insight to who i am and my place in this world yes and i would imagine this would probably you would probably be in your early 20s when you, when you first went to the states oh yeah that's uh, been a while <laughs> <laughs> you don't put it like that <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah so after the army went over the yeah were there any sort of um anxiety going uh, abroad to study something that perhaps you 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 dabbled a little bit in it but mm-hmm. it wasn't like anything quote unquote official or anything like that were there any anxiety going over to to study like something of like that caliber you mean to pursue fine, fine arts and risky yeah um yeah for sure because i knew no one else who had done that before me personally mm. so there was a little bit of i guess some stress but not really mm. um i i just told myself i just wanted to go there and you know just do what i could do um see what i could do with my craft learn what i can and when time's up um you know we'll just see we'll reevaluate where i am at then and we'll see what to do next so how long yeah. did you spend over there um four years um yeah. the the course is four years and then i spent an additional one year um, so, to- oh, so a total of five so five yeah looking back at those five years what what was something that you 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 learned from from your time over there mm Well, I think one of the most important things that I learned there was to keep experimenting. I mean, that's the 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 theme in my work, I think. Mm. Um especially when I chose to go into illustration as a major, um the whole idea behind it was not to be so concerned about categories, not to be too worried about what the world wants to define you as or what you know you you know what your work is exactly just enjoy the process just keep creating uh keep experimenting keep learning keep creating and i think that really was the big lesson for me um because that's something i always try to remind myself now in everything i do and even when i'm like doing something let's say the same kind of art for the for a while i'm like questioning that always saying what can i do more beyond mm-hmm. that what why am i not learning that tutorial on youtube you know cuz <laughs> cuz i am a student of the university of youtube <laughs> and i should you know use that resource so um so it made me hungry to keep learning um and to keep playing yep. with my work yep. and to at that you know make sure that that is the primary source of inspiration behind it all so yeah so when you say experimenting how mm-hmm. how would you personally define it like Could 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 you give me an example? Like, what do you mean by experimenting? Because 
it, it could mean different things to different people. For but sure. for you, let's say with illustration, what do you mean when you try to have fun with it? Right. So when I was in illustration, um, most of my peers were just doing, I guess, like what you would expect of illustration, gouache on yep. paper, ink and paper, watercolors. Um, past a certain point in time, I got a bit bored of that mm. just because that's all you see day in and day out. And the plus side about my education at RISD is that they have this thing called winter session where mm. you actually take a module outside of your major um, every every year. Unrelated to Unrela You can choose it to be outside of your major. You can have it within illustration mm. too. It's just that, you know, you should take the opportunity to play. Yeah. Um, and I think that that, um, was when I chose to do a, a few things. One was a Chinese brush painting. <laughs> <laughs> How did that go? Actually really well. I've never learned so much about Chinese brush painting in my life, but in America. <laughs> um, so I did that. Um, then my second year, I got a bit more confident to try something like further out. Um, I did, um, well, it was a course in Grasshopper. I'm not sure if you know what that is. That's like a plugin for Rhino. I know this sounds like gibberish, but these are programs okay. for, um, well, architects and use it ah, most okay. of the time. Of course. <laughs> I was like, that's just the most foreign thing. Grasshopper and, and a Rhino. <laughs> I'm going to do that. Okay. So, um, Grasshopper was like, uh, Rhino is the modeling program. Grasshopper is kind of like a node-based visual scripting ah, program okay, okay. plugin, which yep. goes into Rhino. Yep. So I used that and I started creating work with that. And I think the idea was to relate that at the end of the day back to you, your work, or what you hope to achieve through this course. And I was able to create a whole series of um, portraits of these, which I titled Forming and Fragmenting, which I think was what where I actually got lucky uh, and my work was picked up on the internet during that time um, <laughs> by, I think, a website called Not Caught. Okay. Super old website. I'm yep. not sure if it's still around. Mm -hmm. I think it is. It's like a directory of like all the creative content in the world. Um, so it got picked up there and then that led me down a whole, like, I guess, journey of just trying to adapt technology or at least just different things um, that are unrelated to illustration on mm. the surface mm. and then try to bring those things together, create something new with that and just let that artwork live by itself. Yep. And it, yeah, I just have fun with it really. Um, so that was pretty much what I did, what I did for that winter session. Mm. There are a few other things which um, then let me down like some creative coding and stuff like that. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I owe it to, I guess that opportunity to learn something outside of my major to actually inform everything that I do. Was it encouraged mm -hmm. uh, by, I guess, your professors over in, in, in RISD to, mm -hmm. to explore uh, other facets of creativity, like, like what you just said? Yeah, um, I'm not sure about the other, uh, I guess the other majors, but at least in illustration, it was quite encouraged. Um, they They really, wanted us to just not see illustration as a you know something that's so defined don't don't let that define you you know i mean that's like art right mm -hmm. don't let the term define mm -hmm. what you create and what you want all of it you define it so i think that that was definitely the case there so i guess 
when when I try to think of experimentation of experimenting, mm-hmm. there is in abstract terms, it means stepping into the unknown. Yes, and, that's right. And, and I guess, and in a way, it is perhaps normal to feel a bit hesitation and fear. Mm-hmm. Are those feelings that you have felt, or perhaps have felt before? And how do you personally like like wrestle with it? Um. <laughs> well, it, yeah. I mean, I think having fun with it actually helps you keep that part of your brain quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're having fun, you don't really worry too much um so of course it it's more of the uphill struggle of learning something new that to me is the challenge when i'm experimenting with something different not so much the stress that comes with it i don't, i think i'm pretty chill i, I don't <laughs> think i don't think i get stressed that easily yeah, yeah. uh but i think what hap- what i feel stressed about is the is the fact that there's usually a learning curve to most of these oh, things yeah especially if you're learning like a 3D software and stuff like that. Uh, and there are all these panels everywhere. So <laughs> so those things do um, add up in terms of giving you a little bit of stress in terms of, oh, will I actually, you know, make something out of it? But I, I feel like personally, that doesn't matter. You you still try it, you know? Uh, you learned that you could or you couldn't do something with it. And usually it works for the better. Mm. Um, because I think with a arts background, you kind of know some tricks to make things work. I mean, that's what the, I guess the profession is, right? Mm. It's problem solving. Making things work. <laughs> Making things work. It's problem solving. That's, that, that's a very good tagline. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's just, we're just trying to figure out how to make things work or how to make adjust things so that they suit a brief, mm. for example. Uh, or, yeah, and make someone happy mm. with that brief. Uh, or if it's personal work, um, in this case, where you can just experiment as much as you want, it's just you can draw the line wherever you want, and that's fine. Um, you just need to learn to, you know, enjoy the process. That's the most important part, the process. It's not really the final thing. Mm. Final thing is great and all. Of course, it gets you, I guess, like the views on mm. the social media. It also is like something you can be proud of. But really, I think the process is the one that actually... I don't know. It's the part I enjoy most. So the process of making the art as opposed to the final product? Yeah, the process of failing. (laughs) The process of failing, trying to adjust uh, or recalibrate based on that failure or learn something so that you can actually kind of like problem solve. Uh, I think that's the part that drives a lot of it for me. Mm. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's the same for most creators because there's always problems. So... (laughs) What is your relationship with failure? Ooh, uh, that's a good one. Uh, I think I have a really good relationship with failure. Um, (laughs) You guys talk every day. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, uh, so I've, so I've, I think, so I mean, what education system in Singapore, I've done that. past a certain point while you're going to school, suddenly you start failing in a lot of things. I don't know if it's the same for you. Mm-hmm. At least it was for me. Mm. Um, like subjects-wise? Yeah, subjects-wise. Um, just keep failing. And you could go for tuition, you could yep. do all you can, but somehow it just doesn't work for mm. me. Um, it did work eventually. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I'm not no stranger to failure. And I think that that has taught me how to 
you know, just accept it. Okay. Not make a big deal about mm-hmm. it, you know, because, you know, people fail. That's yeah. fine. Uh, it's part of life, right? It's part and parcel of it. Uh, it's just what you take, what you do with that failure, what you, that the energy that you could use, you know, stressing, feeling bad about yourself and all that. Uh, what you do with that energy to take that failure into something and make that into something more positive. Um, uh, and yeah, I mean, I have no problem failing. I hate it, Mm-mm. but if it, if I fail, it's okay. As long as I'm not dead, uh, mm. <laughs> it means I could try again. <laughs> right? But I, I, I would have to agree that it's, it's, it is part and parcel. And I think, I think thankfully these days, I think the conversation has shifted as to, mm-hmm. uh, to, to look more into, I would call it out of failing because people like to, to, to gravitate and to talk about the success. But I guess yeah. the, the failures of an individual and how the individual learn and even, uh, 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 talk about their, their own failures. Yeah. I, I think it's highly informative. Yeah. Yeah. And insightful. Yeah. It's always good to learn from someone else's failures. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> as long as you don't do it. <laughs> nah, so it's good. When, when, when you were in RISD and in, and, yeah. in, and in America, were there any particular mentors or role models that I guess really inspired you or said something to you that kind of changed how you view perhaps this profession or, or something? Um, yeah, I think there were lots of it, um, but I think I felt like I had professors who, you know, every word they said was philosophical. (laughs) 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 I I know I'm going to mangle it if I I repeat it, so I dare not repeat it, but there definitely were, um, and there were lots of them who, but I mean, okay, so they, there were tons of professors who were able to impart knowledge mm. uh, or at least just life skills. Like, like, for example, the whole idea about failure and all that. Because there were, there's definitely, you know, you've gone to school, everyone's gone to school. There's definitely someone else who doesn't handle failure that well. Mm. Um, and they could still be getting like an A, for example, but they still feel like they've mm. failed because their personal expectations are a lot higher mm. than, you know, what other people have of themselves. So I've had a lot of professors basically talk about the same things and it always revolves around not being afraid to try something new, enjoy the process and accept failure and move on. You know, don't let that become a roadblock. Just mm. accept it and move on. You know, um, and yeah, I mean that's that, and there's also lots of like color theory stuff and that. <laughs> <laughs> really it's, fun it's- color theory stuff. Like there's a whole like oh, <laughs> colors actually have relationships with each other, and they said it in a really like you know metaphorical way, and it's beautiful. I just can't say it. <laughs> Can I assume that these two things are not in the same conversation? <laughs> like uh, you, 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 be you surprised. talk about philosophy yeah. and you go into color theory. No, you'd be surprised. <laughs> they, how many things just cross over because they try to make everything about the same thing. Like and it's life, right? Um, art is part of life, and so is everything around you, right? So, mm. yeah, I mean they try to relate it. So, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not going to repeat it because yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to risk being that guy who said <laughs> this thing. So, yeah. So, what what sort of um, culture were you exposed mm-hmm. when when you were in New York? And what, were there any, like, difference between, uh, like, I guess, in Singapore? Well, I've never felt more Singaporean than when I was 
<laughs> what does <laughs> that mean? When I'm in Singapore, everyone thinks like I'm not Singaporean enough. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. like I could take a cab and the the taxi uncle will tell me will ask if I it's my first time in Singapore and if I've seen the MBS and stuff like that. <laughs> if you've seen the MBS. Yeah, I'm, yeah, so I've had actual conversations like that. Yep. On the taxis, for yep. example. Um, but um, so I always feel a bit alienated here. Okay. But when I'm there, I feel so Singaporean uh, in that there are a couple other Singaporeans with me in the school. Not that many. We're mm. very few. Yep. Um, but we, we tend to do pretty all right and quite quite well in oh. school and classes yep, and yep, stuff like that yep. and for me it was just a new thing because i'm so used to failure once again so i'm so <laughs> used weird. to i'm so used to you know basically not being at the top of class and suddenly um i'm seen as someone who's really intense with my work like <laughs> oh you really love to study and do your work i'm like i'm just <laughs> I'm just getting by. Yeah, I'm just getting by. <laughs> okay. So I, I think it's a bit more intense in Singapore. I think people here have a faster pace of life. It's fast there too. It's just that I think that they know how to have a bit more fun. Okay. I think. Mm. I'm not sure it's fair for me to say that, but I just think that I felt like I was seen as a bit intense <laughs> <laughs> and you have to dial it back a little bit and yeah you, you learn to relax you learn yeah. to dial it back yeah. so now I think I'm a bit too relaxed <laughs> in Singapore and everyone's like oh you're too relaxed you know what's your you know you need to work harder you can never please everyone <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh, it's uh, it's this in between space you know so yeah it's it's funny so in, 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 in speaking to a lot of creatives, mm-hmm. uh, I guess younger creatives, there is always a, a very romantic idea of uh, like going overseas to, to either study, to, to, yeah. to be exposed to the culture over there. So yeah. I'm just curious to know from your experience, um, having, having lived in New York for like close to about five years and coming back to, to Singapore, what, what is good about New York? Why, why do you think it has this idea that, uh, okay, what is so attractive about New York? And I guess in 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 reflecting the, the 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 conversation back to Singapore, what can we learn from it? Well, actually, I didn't stay five years in New York. Um, only one. Mm-hmm. Um, the four years were in Rhode Island, so it's actually in between New York and Boston. Gotcha. So okay, it's it. Well, I'm not sure if anyone wants to necessarily go to Providence to stay there, but it's very much a college town. Um very quaint very beautiful and lots of artists around really annoying but (laughs) (laughs) why is it annoying i say annoying because in my school we hold like a zombie day and we we have lots of weird events okay zombie day is one of them z day and stuff like that can you describe what zombie day? yeah yeah for sure where we dress up like zombies and we just go down the streets of Providence and I think the residents hate it. Okay. But but basically, so there's our school, there's Brown University. I think they usually play the survivors and we play the zombies and then you just have a bunch of idiots just walking down, the st- blocking the roads. Yeah. Zombies blocking the roads. Asking why kind of defeats the purpose, right? Oh, no, don't ask. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then there's, that's, that's not even it. There's oh, yeah. like Thunderdome where we 
we they make armor out of cardboard like the movie like the movie yeah and then <laughs> okay. they fight in that yeah, yeah so so of yeah, course for sure yeah <laughs> that's exactly pristine education <laughs> yes a star <laughs> education there um but no no it's i mean that creates lots of really good creatives who learn to problem solve and make cosplay outfits <laughs> really good cosplay outfits i must say um but yeah no no so I enjoyed my time in Providence. Um, I did enjoy my time in New York. I think to your question, what is it about New York? I guess to me, I think most people have been exposed to a lot of, I guess, Western media that really romanticizes New York. <laughs> I don't think it's really like that uh, in in reality. Um, that's a lot more. It's it's not as romantic. Let me put it that way. Um, but I enjoyed it because there's just so many different kinds of people. That it's really a melting pot, mm. and there's always something happening. There's always something there's happening. There's always something happening. Even if you don't want something to be happening, there's <laughs> always something to be uh, to see yep. or be like, huh? You know, you have that reaction like, huh? That's that's odd. I never see that in my life before, kind yeah. of a thing. So um, that's that. And for me as an illustrator, I love that. I soak it all up in my work. I try to draw it. I try to sketch the people that I see on the on the trains, on the buses, um, who are just doing weird shit, um, <laughs> or I just you know just meet people mm. and and they lead such colorful lives. Um, I'm I'm like really bland next to them, but just hearing about their lives and what they do um, or what they hope to do. It's just incredible. And I enjoy that because, yeah, I mean, no day, no two days are the same. What about um, working in New York? Did, mm -hmm. you, did you do any particular freelance work over there? Yeah, so like? I've always been freelancing um, since my second year in okay. university, my sophomore okay. year, yeah. Um, but so I went to New York and I continued freelancing there. Um, while I was freelancing there, I mean, I did work on some New York projects. That was like with the New York Times. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, that was pretty fun. Uh, it's really intense because editorial illustration there is just really fast paced. Like a quick turnaround. Very quick turnarounds. It's like I had to create what, six illustrations in two days. Well, it's normal. <laughs> yeah, it's like, that's just every Thursday kind of a thing. Um, so there's that. Um, yeah, I mean, it was good. It's just intense because the competition is really up there. Mm. There's so the, many people. Like that, a standard. Yeah, okay. the standard's there and there's lots of people trying to fight for the same jobs. So it is quite intense, actually. Um, How do you grapple that with your studies? Uh, <laughs> How? <laughs> So I told you I was quite intense, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, well, it depends. I think, we you know, with, with art, um, you know when to call, well, you don't actually know when, but you know, when you create an artwork, you can end it anytime and say it's done. Yeah, technically. technically. Yeah. You know, it's just whether or not you are satisfied with it, whether or not your client's satisfied with it. So... It's about managing that, I think, um, timing-wise. Um, it's whether or not you want to, you know, fight for that perfection and that peace, mm. or you know when to say, okay, that's what I'm going to do for it right now. I'm, I'm going to close that book for now. 
I could revisit it again later and then do this again and do something else, you see. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a lot of that juggling act there. Uh, so it's like between schoolwork and actual professional work. Yep. Um, and there's a difference. There's a difference. Yeah. And the expectations are super different. Um, could you elaborate on that? Well, for schoolwork, if you, it's, it's just due what, next week, for example. <laughs> yeah. Right. So there's actually a lot of time mm. between now and next week, whereas a lot of client work, it's like, it's always like we want it yesterday. Yeah. Fair enough. Thing. Yep. So there's that. Um, but also the amount of like changes. I think with client work, uh, it depends on what your clause is. You can do basically X amount of changes. Yep. School work, if you, if you, you know, you submit it next week, they say you want, I want you to change this and that. And then next week you do that and you're done. So it's, it's a bit slower paced with school work. Yep. Whereas client work's obviously faster. And school work, you know, at the end of the day, it's just for a grade. Yep. So you need to, draw the line sometimes and say, what is your end goal here? Do I want an A? Yep. Or do I want a portfolio full of actual relevant work? You know, so it's that balancing act there. Of course, ideally you do both. Mm. But but what grades and expectation uh, put on you going into this particular uh, education? I don't think they were put on me. I think they put, I put it out myself. Okay. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Coming from here, from yeah. Singapore, I'm yeah. like, you know, I, I got to... You have to carry the flag over there. I've got to carry my flag, <laughs> represent, you know? Yeah, yeah. I got to get my ace. Yeah. I got to get that distinction. Kind yeah. of, um, so no, I don't think there was a lot of pressure from, especially none from my parents. My parents mm. are really supportive and I must always, I'm always grateful for that um, because they gave me the opportunity mm. uh, to pursue the arts. Um, but I think in a way that makes me want to have a higher standard mm. for my own personal work and make sure I achieve it every time. So yeah, the grades mattered to me, but I don't think they mattered to anyone else <laughs> so much. It did matter to my visa. Ah, yeah. <laughs> the almighty visa. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, but but I think in, in, in thinking about arts, yeah. creativity and education, it's it's always funny to put a grade on it because it's mm -hmm. it's so subjective and yeah yeah it's horrible <laughs> i think it's horrible um i've been i well, i have taught classes in singapore where i act, i actually had to give a grade mm -hmm. i think it's the worst thing ever cuz it's just i don't know i put myself in my students shoes and i imagine receiving let's say a great base of a T-score, like a bell curve kind of a thing. Cause what what is were, a T-score? They're, they're like bell curve scores where you can only have so many people at the like achieve an A grade, a B grade. Oh, that's interesting. So it, I don't know. I just thought that that's just ridiculous mm -hmm. when it came to like like con like art. Yep. I just want to see if you can create stuff that is sincere, you know, from you. I don't care <laughs> to give you a grade, but I was, I felt like when I was teaching here, um, I was constantly put in this situation where I had to give grades based on this bell curve. Mm. And that's just not fair. And I think to me, the worst part is that that kind of kills interest sometimes because a lot of these people don't do art on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. So to them, they're just really learning and experimenting, just trying it out. And if they get a shitty score, 
they're like, yeah, I'm not going to do this anymore for the rest of my life. Or they get the impression that they can't do it. Or they think they can't do it, which is unfortunate. I think lots of people here tell themselves they can't do lots of things, right? I mean, you're creative. You definitely had people say, oh, I wish I could draw. And then they see you create something and they're like, oh, I can't draw kind of a thing. So yeah, I, I my heart breaks every time <laughs> someone tells me that because I, I feel anyone can draw. It's mm-hmm. just whether or not you are confident in sharing that and developing that further. Is that something you try to communicate with your students? If, okay, so so let's say yeah. even though um, it is perhaps a requirement that you have to fit this particular quota, but when you're telling them, you try to explain to them like mm-hmm. this shouldn't be the focus, but the focus should be on the journey. And of course. Craft. I always you know, preempt them, tell them, <laughs> hey, so, you know, I'm forced to grade you. Mm. To me, the grades mean nothing. Um it's not a reflection of you, your work, your performance. Uh, it's really just the system, you know? Uh, and I try to encourage them to reach out to me after to say, you know, like, not just about the create, really, because it's just a great, right? Yeah. It's just, who cares about yeah. the create? Nobody know? remember it. Nobody remember it as a great. From yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we put too much pressure behind these grades, right? So I always try to rem- remind them to, you know, if you're ever interested in art, content creating, um, just you know, improving that technique that you're so interested in, or want to know more or find the resources, please reach out to me. You know, I'm here. I'm a resource to you guys. I don't think I had this resource mm. growing up here. Yeah. I want to be that resource to anyone who's starting out. You know, so that you can jumpstart your career in the arts a bit faster than I did. Um, but yeah, I mean. I try to remind them that, but unfortunately, I find that a lot of people don't take that because like the initiative or no, there are people who do. It's just that I think people here are a bit too shy, too shy to to ask. So please, <laughs> please contact Andre. <laughs> not not so aggressively, <laughs> but but you know, don't feel afraid to ask, um, especially if you. You know, you know that someone there potentially has the answer. Yep. You know, but but something like this goes beyond um, uh, something that can be taught over the counter or in school. I think it goes into like the psychology of how, for sure, I guess the education system in in Singapore is structured or yeah. something. But I think it's changing. I but we only see the changes perhaps in a decade from now. Yeah, it's not so soon. <laughs> <laughs> no, not yet. And I I think that even though we'd see it like in a decade, I I, I do hope that. Like people of our generation do get to achieve that too. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want anyone kind of like left behind, you know? Because what's life, you know, if you don't know how to enjoy it a bit, you know, take it easy. <laughs> so what what um what age of, of, of people are you are you teaching? So I taught at uh I guess university level so that's around what 18 to 20 plus 20 plus yeah and i'm also teaching i i do workshops a lot of workshops for other students in the secondary schools Mm. um some primary schools i'm usually just teaching them like not just drawing but sometimes also 3d modeling really basic stuff but just to show them hey this exists and it's possible it's It's possible what you see on the screens in your social media on the tv you could do it too you know so it just i'm not sure if anyone actually walks away learning how to do it very well but i know that they walk away 
understanding that it, it exists. There's mm. job exists or, you know, there's a way to do it and there are resources out there, you know, for them to tap onto. I see it as though you're planting a seed. And I think that's pretty important. <laughs> yeah. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so, what, I hope so what do you notice from your, your students? Let's say we, we split them up into, into two batches, the, the above right. 18s yeah. and I guess the, the, the younger ones. Do you notice any like uh, commonalities or differences really between these two age groups? Um, lingo. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you mean? TikTok. <laughs> like, are, Just one. Like, yeah. like, are they talking about TikTok to you? Are they showing nah, it to you? I mean, I find that you you're able to relate to them better if you know what they're talking about. Fair enough. You know, like for example, I think the other week I was doing a demonstration in drawing uh, on the iPad using yep. Procreate on the yep. iPad yep. and saying, you know, this is what you can do. This is what's possible. Mm. You know, uh, you guys can follow along. Mm. But just to make it a bit more exciting for you guys, because you, all my references are probably too outdated <laughs> and irrelevant. Uh, name something from you know what you guys like. Ah, you know? Okay. So they like this Valorant and stuff like that. Valorant. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I actually know what that is. Yeah, yeah. I'm not that bad, you know. I'm not that far gone. I still play Overwatch and yeah. stuff like that. So I'm not too far back. That's like mid 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 2010s. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, old. yeah, I know, right? But yeah, yeah I felt you know, I, I feel my age, yeah. but um it's good to then relate it to them because then they they're suddenly like, oh wow, I can draw my favorite character. Um it's a it's like a it's a gateway yep. for them. Yep. It's a way in. So there's definitely that that difference there. It's just a culture which is slightly different mm. based on what content they're consuming. Um whereas I think something else that I think a bit more interesting is I find the older kids I call them kids, but they're not. Uh they actually utilize more resources that I'm personally more familiar with, like YouTube, okay. university. Yep. That university there. Yep. Um, I use that all the time. Whereas I find that the even younger ones don't. I may be wrong, but at least the ones I've interacted with, they don't actually know how mm. to find the resources on YouTube. It's like maybe like what our parents were thinking of us not going to the libraries to find the resources, gotcha. that kind of a thing. Gotcha. I think they have their own resources, which they find through TikTok, which is amazing. I mean, have you been on TikTok? Have you seen the content there? I've been shown TikToks. You've been shown it. <laughs> so you're only peering in yeah. at it, right? Yeah. So there's like lots of stuff on it. I mean, it's hard to tell what's real and what's yes. rubbish. Yeah. But there is definitely like lots of learning content on it too yep. so i'm not sure if that's where they're gathering it it's just where they're learning things is very different and to me at first i thought it was a bit worrying that they don't know mm. to use youtube as that resource mm. but maybe i'm wrong and you know they actually are fine with <laughs> whatever uh, platforms they're on yep so i'm curious to know what have you learned from your students hmm. or, or what have they taught you so um, for university kids, I tend to be teaching them figure drawing. Yeah. Which is tons of fun because most of these kids have never seen a nude figure. So mm. so so they get all like scared, intimidated on day one, but I think they get fine over time. But what I learned from them is actually 
um, learn a lot about how I teach, how I communicate my ideas. Um, or at least it helps me, you know, at least like write it down, pen it, pen oh. down how I actually think about things and how I want to express it. Mm. I think verbalizing it is very different from just demonstrating, for yep. example, <laughs> yeah. a drawing. Like I could just draw with my yeah. mouth shut and no one will learn anything. Because they don't understand. They don't understand. Yeah. There's no context. Yep. So um, having students has taught me how to verbalize each step, not just steps, but you know, just the thought process that goes behind each step also. And like each stroke, for example. Not that I, t I think I talk a bit much now, uh, but uh, it has definitely taught me to verbalize uh, something that is, to me, more visual. And I think that that's quite important. Do you get flashbacks to when you were a student in RISD and your professors are talking to you? Do you get flashbacks <laughs> to that? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I do. I actually... So while I'm not, I'm a bit shy to regurgitate whatever my professor <laughs> said on on this show. Yeah. Um, when I'm actually drawing and I'm I'm just talking as I'm drawing, it comes out naturally. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I, I do think of my professors when I'm doing that. Yep. Uh, they really did impact my life, and yeah, shout out to them like Orange Sherman, Chris Bizzelli. Uh, I think they really helped direct a lot of the way I think and do my work. Shant and Jetty also. Yeah. Um, not sure anyone knows them, but they are really brilliant in their own craft and their works and I guess their love for teaching. So it's really about the the tangible craft of let's say the arts and also the intangible. Mm -hmm. Like the 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 framework you're looking at it, the mentality, the philosophies and everything really around it. Because mm -hmm. it it is in, in in thinking about the profession of being in the arts, it's it's a very unique profession because it's not just about the 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 tangible craft of it that you have to be good at it, mm -hmm. but it's also the the abstract notions of it that you can't really teach per se. You have the the theory of it, sure, and you can tell someone, but it it really depends on the individual to to absorb it, to yeah. actually uh, ruminate on it, yeah. and then to to. to to uh, adopt it into their own lives and to see what comes out. And yeah. that is something that can't be taught in school. <laughs> uh, it's a lot of, I guess, like a lot of letting go. Yeah. You plant the seed and then you let it go. Mm. And you hope that whatever you planted... Um, germinates. Germinates, yeah. but you also gave it some direction uh, through just these random snippets of <laughs> so quote unquote wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so these, these classes that you're teaching, are they like... Yeah. Uh, a combination of like one-offs or like like a course? And so which one were, do you prefer? There were a mix of both. Um, I do prefer one-offs a bit more because mm. you tend to be a bit more, I tend to be a bit more stressed. Stressed? Yeah, I feel so stressed that I have to cover so much. Oh, you have to cram a, so many yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, but it makes it so exciting um, because, I mean, it's like an illustration job for me um, ah, with a fast turnover, kind of like a project. Yeah. Um, I, I get so, I get, I mean, I don't know, I wouldn't say stress, but like, you know that there's a lot of pressure behind delivering the work, mm. delivering the workshop. Yep. Um, there's so much you want to cover that it gets a bit exciting for me. And I think that that's also exciting for the students. It's intimidating for students, but it's also a bit more rewarding because they actually see a lot more. I think the focus is a bit different. They, they, the idea behind this is these 
quick sessions is to show them what's possible mm. and impart a little bit of how you do it or how you get started. I think that that's exciting for me. And then, of course, reach out to me after that because that's how you then take that little interest and make that, you know, something bigger. Did you did you find that you had to learn how to teach? And is it something that um, <laughs> you would want to continue doing in the future? Yeah, I definitely had to learn how to teach. Um, so I, I know it's probably not obvious, but I never really used to talk a lot. Uh, it's was, not obvious. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think it's obvious. But I was the kid who was in class that people were worried about because they, you know, the kid didn't talk at all. Okay. Um, kind of a thing. And I think it comes with the job. It comes with teaching. It comes with, you know, just being put in these situations that forces you to talk a bit more. And like we talked about earlier, how teaching has taught me to verbalize a lot of these thoughts in a bit more comprehensive mm. um, sentences um, that helps. So, yeah, um, I think so. Uh, I think on that notion, in, in, in one of your interviews that I read, um, I think you mentioned about being invested in nurturing a community uh, a community or a group in Singapore on, on staying curious and experimenting. Yeah. Um, does, this, does the idea of teaching facilitate that? Or do you have other plans for... I guess this idea of nurturing um, a, a community. It does, but I don't think it's my primary focus. Mm. I think the one way that I can do that or achieve that is through hopefully inspiring through my work. Um, and that's what drives me to create my content, part of why I create my content. I enjoy creating. It's just that on the side, I know that there are some people who enjoy my works and I just want to make that accessible to as many people as possible just to show them what's possible with the resources we have. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm here in Singapore too, you know. I went through the system. I'm also, I mean, I did study overseas, but that just gave me the eyes to, you know, realize that there's a lot more. And I just want to share that opportunity, that, that perspective with everyone here who may or may not have the opportunity um, but to also just enjoy the process because I think too many people just put so much stress behind like it pressure pressure behind it and then they just don't enjoy it in the end like I've met people who try to draw and they try to draw the way I draw mm. for example and they make it into a science like that 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 <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah, like so like there's like a so drawing's one of it, the other ones you know my 3D work. There's like a Reddit board with people trying to take apart how I did it. And it's really not that complicated sometimes, but they overcomplicate it and there's so much pressure behind that because they need to deliver that for whatever reason. And I'm just like, just embrace what you create. Learn to actually play with what you have. The the, the the, part, the the unique worldview that you have in your work and convey that across. Uh, at the end of the day, that's what people like about mm. most of the art content that we consume, right? Yep. It's yep. that personal, unique take on something that everyone sees. It's just uniquely yours. Mm. Um, but people get a bit distracted with the, the techniques that mm. other people do. So, yeah. <laughs> so, they're kind of missing the point. Missing the point, yeah. How, what was your journey to to perhaps identifying or even being cognizant of this 
uh, this unique uh, voice or identity as as an illustrator that you will want to create like this? Because I think you mentioned about uh, creating something that's sincere to yourself. Yeah. So could you please extrapolate on that? For sure. Um, well, when I was in RISD, there were... Okay, so we, we had to go through, I guess, the foundations, yeah? Okay. Uh, and, you know, foundations, yeah, the idea behind it is so that everyone starts at zero. Yep. And then just ground, and then you, you most of the times they, you know, you spend it being broken down. <laughs> okay. So that everyone really starts at the yep. base, right? Yep. So, and then we do stuff which is really basic from figure drawing to still life and all that. Yep. The whole everything. Everything, yeah. Yep. The whole family of art, yep. school um, approaches. But there are just some kids who just draw the way they draw, no matter what you do. Mm. I have a few friends. It's amazing. Like you could show them, like let's say a nude figure there, and everyone's drawing a nude figure in a in the way that I guess prescribed. You know, prescribed. Okay. Yeah. You know the whole academia yep. approach with the shading, with the, shading the pencil shading, and the highlights. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then there's this one that just draws it like I don't know, like <laughs> just the weirdest things yeah. ever. Yep. Uh, but they're beautiful. You know, they're so beautiful despite being the most Cronenberg looking things <laughs> you, you know you just yeah you're just like oh okay but it's beautiful yep um and then so I mean they're just the kids who could learn to start from zero again and learn something new mm. but then there were those who just did it the way they've been doing it forever and I mean, there's no right and wrong. It's just, that's just how they see and view the world. Mm. And they are, I guess, blessed in a way to be able to then just develop that personal style. I think style in Singapore is a big thing that a lot of artists talk about. Oh, how do I develop style yep. and stuff like that, right? Um, so these kids just naturally have it. Uh, I don't, I don't think I have. Mm. Um, but I don't think that that's anything to worry about because you just can't see it. Once again, back to our earlier discussion about perspective, you just can't see your own reflection, your own work that well because you're actually too close to it <laughs> most of the times. Um, so even when you're drawing like, a, you know, your hundredth drawing, um, you don't see it often. Uh, other people see it. Mm. So, uh, I mean, that's when I realized that just, you know, there's just kind of like just two approaches that those who just naturally have it it's the so-called style. Yep. It may work most of the times. It may not work. Mm. That's the problem because they they can't adapt to other projects, for example. But that's fine. That that's them. They can get celebrated for their yep. style. Yeah. You know? Then there's the other group, which is just I guess everyone else who just thinks they have no style, <laughs> but they actually do have a style. It's yep. just that they're just too afraid to embrace it. And they're looking at too many other people's styles, feeling ah, pressure to okay. emulate it. So I think that's the problem here. That then I'm trying to say, hey, you have something going on. It's hard to see because you don't develop it further. You're just trying to copy someone else too mm. much. So yeah, that's when I realized that there is this, I guess, this light. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't know how to put it, actually. It's just mm -hmm. a strange situation that they're in where it's ironic that everyone thinks that they have no style, <laughs> they have no unique voice mm. when everyone is unique, yep, yep. you know? So, 
I guess I guess the notion that that might per- perpetuate something like that is that it is not it is not a celebrated that uh, each individual is unique or perhaps because to 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 to, to create something it's you you unfortunately have to invest emotionally into the particular piece and to put mm-hmm. it out there and perhaps to not receive any form of quote-unquote validation through, I guess, social media and stuff like that, I think it could be a little bit scary. And yeah. it's, and with the fact that it is so easy right now to 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 just go on Pinterest, to mm-hmm. use certain keywords to get, I don't know, like endless, endless images to, to look at. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is so much easier to emulate and to, to, to be, how would I put it? To be overwhelmed with so much visual um, uh, visuals, really. Stimulus, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, well, I mean, that's why when I was in school at least, they, they, they tried to emphasize not just being inspired by other artists' works because there's a lot of noise, um, mm. a lot of distraction like that. And at the end of the day, you might just be emulating someone else's work, uh, which then it's a whole other can of worms of you trying to you know, pull yourself away from later on. Um, so what they really encourage, which I still do, which is um, they encourage just enjoying nature, enjoying life. Enjoying know? life. Look at life. There's so much around you that, you know, you could actually be inspired by. Uh, inspired by, I mean, that's how a lot of technology works too, mm. right? It's inspired by nature. Um, so why is art any different? Why are you just looking at the other person's work? You should also look at nature. Do you feel like the more you 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 ruminate on the abstract notion of art yeah. and creativity, do you find that it's more what's the word for it? It is more ingrained into living and life as opposed to something that can be thought through uh step one, step two, step three, step four. <laughs> In what sense? <laughs> like like do you do you find it that it's more philosophical and it's more like thinking about it? I see. And then actually like more theoretical. Are you asking if it's I don't know, like it requires you to reflect a bit more rather than methodically So perhaps the craft is not as important, mm. but the the intent of oh, the I mind see. Yeah, behind yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so. It's a state of mind. I think I mean that's why art is a hard word to define, right? Because mm. it keeps expanding. Because <laughs> anything can be art as long as you thought about it in a certain way that convinces other people that that is art, you mm. know. So yeah, no, I I do think that it is a state of mind. I think that it benefits, or at least having that realization benefits you anyway, even if you don't want to call it art. Uh, it's just about life, right? Yep. <laughs> How do you best live this sh- uh, your life on Earth and yep. you know live live it to its fullest in a way? And there's like so many definitions to it. It's like someone so asking you what is the purpose of life. Everyone yeah. has their own definition. Yeah, everyone has their own <laughs> definition, and it doesn't matter because mm. you're only going to live it once, at least in hopefully. I think <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe I might be totally wrong, yeah. but. Um, yeah, I mean, assuming that we only live it once, it doesn't matter what someone else thinks. You know, just try to live it to its fullest the way you can and the way you define it. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, why not? That sounds really empowering. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> less less on the nihilism, more on the empowerment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's so much negativity happening. I think it's good to be a bit more positive about, you know, just what you have. Yep. 
and just do appreciate it. Yeah. So shifting the focus back yeah. into your your own art and illustration, um, mm-hmm. what does the evolution of it look like to you? And has it changed in your eyes? Um, yeah, for sure. Um, well, as expressed earlier, it used to be very traditional. Um, mm. Drawing, painting. Um, now it's all about uh, how do I add more to that? How do I express more to it? Because to me, I love drawing, I love painting, I love the still image, but there's only so much you can say and do with a static one. Um, I... I, I mean, I've been trying to learn stuff like VR and AR work, um, also animation, which I'm not trained in. That I'm trying very hard to do in my works. So I'm trying to add these layers of, I guess, complexity to my work. Mm. It's a lot more work for me. Um, <laughs> it's complex for yeah, me because yeah. it just complicates everything. It feels like you're boarding the word complex. Yeah, yeah. I am. I'm trying to say it's just so annoying because it's just piling unnecessary amounts of work onto myself. But I think that that's um, how I think it's evolved uh, where, yeah, okay, you know, I think I can draw relatively well. Mm-hmm. Like I can draw a person. Mm. What can I do with that? I, you know, can I make that person move? Can I share a story mm. with that picture? Um, so that's what I'm invested in, what I'm interested in. And also, like, back to the whole experimenting. It's just fun. It's play. It's VR. I mean, come on. The future's here. Mm. <laughs> the future's now, right? Yep. Um, who would have... I, I never imagined drawing and painting in VR. Um, so it wasn't intentional. Like, at this point in, in, in my career, I would have these skills and I want to explore you. No, never. At least not for me, which is, I guess, I'm a blind fool. (laughs) (laughs) We're all blind fools. (laughs) I really don't know what to hit. I just know that um, in this time, right now in my life, um, there are all these things that are accessible to me. Yep. And what do I do with them, right? So I'm interested in these things. Might as well try to learn them, try to see if they can actually be related back into my work and if I can actually make that accessible or even, you know, learnable to anyone else. Uh, I think that's where I'm at with my work as of now. So why does the the technology behind AR and VR, why why does it interest you? well, my my dad is actually he, well. When I was a kid, he was a computer and engineer. Wow! So okay. we had like computers everywhere That's in the cool. house. So uh, we had like, he was really protective over like the internet and also I didn't have the internet until much later. <laughs> but but like he basically built like a little land cafe in my house. Wow! So my friends would come by. That's so cool. As, yeah. Yeah, we're just kids just playing Diablo, yeah. for example. Yeah. Uh, or StarCraft and WarCraft and stuff like that. And then I, I just, this whole idea of gaming, video games, game worlds, mm. I think it's what interests me. And then at some point in my career, I started building um, real-time worlds um, for video games, for shows, for vid- uh, just content, really. Yep. Um, so that naturally evolved into VR because here's this technology that lets me stand in these worlds that mm. I create. Mm. And I thought that was just beautiful. And I remember the first day I got my Oculus de- development kit too in New York, actually. Mm. My roommate came in and he wore it and he 
was standing inside this virtual wall that I was that I created, and he he cried. <laughs> so, <Whoa! laughs> he was like, "Oh, the future is here." Kind oh, of for the dramatics, so, yeah, a bit dramatic. <laughs> yeah. But um, uh, we we were living in a shitty apartment in New York, <laughs> so it's good to get away from yeah. it, you know. So there was like a mandolin player downstairs. There was a poetry slam night bar downstairs it was horrible and noisy so it was good to get away mm. to some sci-fi wall yep. um so yeah no i mean i i that's what got me started in vr and then obviously projects that asked if i could do this and that within vr and ar came up and because a lot of people actually confused the terms mm. so so it's good to learn both of them and you start to realize ar is also an up and coming no one not up and coming it's really here it's it's a technology that is even more accessible than VR because VR requires you to have a headset. Yep. Whereas AR is just a smartphone. Everyone, pretty much everyone has a smartphone yep. now. It's just whether or not you have internet. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of clients have been asking for AR projects from postcards to billboards to artwork um, that, you know, show different depths to it, different animation layers. And it's really exciting interaction with artwork. So that opens a whole new world to yep. how art can be experienced. Mm -hmm. And I'm really excited by it because, I mean, what, 10 years ago, even less than that, I never thought this was in my future. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought I was just going to draw and paint gouache. <laughs> Not nothing bad about yeah. it. It's just I thought that was where I was going to be yep. ten years Fair down enough. the road. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it's a bit crazy. It's a bit fun, but yeah, I, I love it and it's exciting because it's only going to get better, assuming we don't just disappear off this planet. <laughs> assuming, assuming, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's only going to get better from now on. But 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 it's interesting. Um, just just think about that because going back to what we initially talked about. Uh categories and let's say an yeah. artist it comes with expectations illustrator it comes with certain expectations yeah it's it's, it's it, it is difficult to imagine like a couple of years before like maybe five or even a decade ago that at this point in 2021 and illustrator is someone who would create virtual worlds in mm -hmm. virtual reality mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> so i don't think it's really fair that i call myself an illustrator yeah. but you're a mix of everything yeah i it's just people get really annoyed when i say i don't know what i'm mm -hmm. doing mm -hmm. um it's not as important, really. It's not. Yep. Uh, that's what I've been trying to say, right? It's yep. it's really not. This label, it's just a label. It l limits you. The label limits you. Um, it's good to know that all these labels exist. It's good to know that there are specific things out there that describe things really well. Like an illustration. That's an illustration. That's a fine art painting. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just think it's also at the same time unfortunate that the label does sometimes pigeonhole you fair enough yeah, yeah. so i try to get away from it as much as i can uh, but yeah i don't know if you know a better word for describing this role of just creating stuff philosopher <laughs> well that's even worse i think <laughs> it depends that's like a bad word it's like <laughs> no chinese new year is gonna be horrible it's just what do you do now andre philosophy <laughs> not that it's anything bad it's just yep. it's just it doesn't work in at least i think in asian context mm. that well do you think that's gonna change mm, that's a tough one um i want it to but i think old habits die hard and mm. i think even with our generation i i struggle to find i guess people who will not 
so quickly judge me based on me saying I'm an artist. You know, the moment I say I'm an artist, or they're like, oh, that one, the artist, one, the artist can draw me kind of a thing. Oh, yikes. So, so <laughs> can draw my friends. Oh, yikes. <laughs> so, no, you know, there's all these ideas they have um, that really pigeonhole what mm. they see, how they see you. And I just wish that there was a term to help creators to, I mean, just use these terms to actually say, no, that's not just what I do. I do a lot more than just that. And I say freelancer most of the time, but yeah. that's also a whole yeah. other, you know, it's it's really bad. It's like, that. I, I have nothing wrong with these words. It's just yeah. that I know that I get certain looks. I, I don't know if it's just me being sensitive, but I get certain looks or like certain conversations never happen because automatically they draw up some assumptions. The moment I say I'm this or that. Yeah. So usually I just say, I just make stuff. <laughs> A creator, yeah, but you know what is a creator? That makes it's too vague, then, right? Like there always needs to be like a secondary explanation. Uh, that to, needs, to, yeah, that's what that's how I started this conversation, right? <laughs> uh, just in case, um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I had this conversation with a friend. Like, we're not sure what to define that. Really, it's mm. really hard. Sometimes we're saying, "Oh, content creator." Yep, that's the safest. But I know a whole bunch of people who just think that that's just a influencer. But it's different. Yep. But then, you know, people get annoyed when you tell them it's different. So mm. there's no way of winning. It's <laughs> like the limits of, of, of the human language, the language. Of, of English, isn't it? It is the limit yeah. of the language. Because you, as we touched on, you can say one thing, but, and you may have your definition, your intent of it, but I, I may have a different definition of it. Yeah. And then you have to communicate that intent. Absolutely. And that takes like, what, 10 minutes and, yeah. Yeah, and the feelings and everything. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I think maybe we're just too sensitive. Who cares? Who cares? Yeah, who cares? Just just enjoy the work you're doing. I think sometimes showing them is better than explaining. Mm. So that's why I also trying to do when I meet people. I'm like, oh no, just just look at that. Oh, that's that's what I do. <laughs> don't don't ask. <laughs> do you think perhaps it's about uh, an appreciation and understanding about what the art is? Um. You mean my people who interface with the work? Or perhaps don't understand it. When, oh yeah, yeah, no, of course. I think that there's a lack of understanding. I mean, that's with everything, right? Um, I, if you tell me some other job, I, I mean, I'm an artist, essentially. I don't know the depths of the other jobs that are out there. I know they exist, but I'm automatically going to think like, you know, just a superficial yeah, level yeah. of understanding. Yep. So it's the same both ways. Um, it's just that I think for a lot of artists, we just get a bit more riled up by it just because I think from the start, very few people have really understood what we do. And it was mm -hmm. not a really celebrated profession to, to begin with earlier. Mm -hmm. Now it's changing. Um, but so I think that's why we're a bit more like, oh, how dare you? You don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, but it's it's fair, you know. So I don't mind explaining it. It's just that I, I know people get a bit annoyed when they have to hear me explain what I do. <laughs> you should prepare like a like a document. You just pass it to them. Like you just read it or like scan <laughs> no, it and something will so come out. Yeah. So maybe words are not my forte. So <laughs> I, I've really like said, I just resort to just showing them pictures. Yep. I, that's what we do, right? Yep. As we make pictures. Yep. So why not just use that as the way we communicate? So in... In your experimentation and you toying with the mm -hmm. technology of augmented reality and virtual reality, yeah, 
how do you see these two uh, evolving? Okay. Um, well, I think VR is going to become even more accessible. As it is, it became a bit more accessible when I think the Oculus, I might be wrong, the Quest, I think that's what it's called. Um, it no longer requires you to be hooked up to a beefy computer. Or it's wireless? Thinks, I think it's all within the headset. Oh, that's cool. Wow. I might be wrong, but I know there's a headset that does that. Yep. Don't quote me on this. Yep. But yeah, there is definitely a headset that does that. Yep. Um, and that just opens the doors to even more people, right? Because not everyone can afford or want to have a ugly ass huge <laughs> computer with LED RGB <laughs> lights in your house, right? Yeah. Some people don't want that. Yep. So. You know, you just want this really sleek looking Oculus or yep. whatever headset. Yep. Uh, so yeah, it's becoming more and more accessible. Hopefully it becomes so accessible you don't really have to wear this bulky thing on your head. You know, because yep. right now it's it's bulky. You look like an idiot. <laughs> you do. And, and you're going to get neck aches, you yep. know. Um, and, and there's so many limitations within the virtual world in that you know you're still holding controllers it's yep. not your hands yep. uh, you don't see yourself in most cases like which, like a third person view uh you don't see your body ah okay, okay, okay. which to a lot of people it's a it's a crazy experience you know you, you look down, you, look down you expect to see something but there's nothing you know so it's really disorienting for some people yep. um, and the latency is another thing for other people where you know the image moves slower than the, the brain is expecting it to mm -hmm. um, but it's it's actually not that bad anymore I, I mean I live and work and I've even fallen asleep while creating <laughs> work in VR but so you wake up and you see like, whatever oh, you were doing I'm still here <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting and you think of the headset yeah and like, oh, oh I'm in my room <laughs> and even better it's still daytime I, yeah, interesting it's, uh, it's, it's fun because yeah so I mean the technology is really interesting have you tried VR so I I have seen people use it right. and I've seen people interact with it in I think that's this game called VR chat. Yeah. So oh that it's, it's a lot of de degenerate people but mm. I've seen people interact with it on it and I guess the conversations they have and I've seen people play Half-Life Alex. Oh yeah yeah that's so brilliant. I've never personally tried it but I think it's 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 always Fascinating. Yeah. Okay, yeah. We have to have you try it sometime. Uh, it's really different watching someone you play it. You know, I'm not sure if you have like an older or younger sibling who probably watched you or you watched them play video games mm -hmm. growing up. Mm -hmm. You know, that experience is kind of like a one to one kind of an experience. You experience the story like them, you know. But when it comes to VR, it's different. You can watch it on the screen of someone else's screen. It's really different from being in it. Mm. I can imagine. Yeah, it's yeah. so different. Um, and it's so hard to communicate that experience. But um, Do you use it primarily to to create or do you play actually games with it? Both, actually. Uh, well, I, I use it primarily to create. <laughs> but when I have friends over, uh, yeah, it, it becomes a great like entertainment. Yeah. I think because everyone's like, oh my God, I can't see my body kind yeah, of a yeah, thing. Yeah. So it's um, an experience that but everyone looks forward to. I've also seen some videos where people are really tripped out about being in VR. Like they take like the roller coaster or they do like this like plank walking thing like, yeah, yeah. like a skyscraper and they really feel yeah, like, yeah, like the feel effects it. of it. Yeah, You know when VR is successful when... when <laughs> okay, I, I knew it was successful when I had friends who, you know, 
Half-Life Alex, for yep. example, they were getting shot at by the Combine soldiers. They actually thought they could, they ducked, yeah. which is fine. Yep. You know, you squat. Yep. But in the video game, there was like a table in front of them or a bed or something. They reached forward and tried to actually oh, that's hold on to it to stand up. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. help them stand up. Yep. That conf- that really messed with their brains. But from 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 your, from your perspective, there's nothing in front there's of nothing them. in front of them. So that's just they they believed that there was something in front of them for that moment. The immersion was really there for mm. them. So it's amazing. So um, yeah, we should definitely let you try that sometime. But I I think that it's only going to get better. Uh, and as a content creation tool, it's uh, it's getting there. People are animating with it. Um, I'm not sure if you follow people like Joe Napkill. No, I've never heard. So he's a brilliant guy. He works with Adobe Medium now. Uh, he sculpts. He does all these really beautiful sculpts. Uh, it really inspires me in uh, VR. Mm. Uh, and then there's, um, let's see, there's Goro. Yeah. Goro Fujita, I think. So he makes like these really beautiful Pixar style animations within VR and they're 2D slash 3D, which is the part of 2D slash 3D that I really wow. like. I love making art that, yeah. that you look at it, you're like, oh, yeah, that's nice 2D art. And then suddenly it turns <laughs> an angle and then you're like, oh, wait, it's still 2D, but it's not. Or is it? You yeah. Know? So, yeah, he makes these really crazy animations within VR. So the tools are there. They are, they, I mean, I remember when it started out, it was like painting in Microsoft Paint. Yeah, but it's come a long way and it's going to get better. So that's VR. AR is no different. AR gets even better when your phones get better. Yep. Because your tracking gets even better yep. and you are able to actually uh, run even more, let's say, complex animations on top of the, I guess, the tracked yep. object. So, yeah, I mean, it's exciting. But if, if, if phones are to... If phones are to tell us one thing, I think we do a very good job of optimizing technology. I mean, the phones of yeah. perhaps 15 years ago do not look like this. <laughs> oh, no, they don't. And they yeah. are significantly less powerful than whatever we have today. Even yeah. 100 to $300, you can get a very, very powerful phone. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I think it's an easy bet to make that with VR headsets, mm-hmm. it's going to get a lot more optimized. Yeah. You're gonna, it, is, it is going to look a lot better, perhaps within this decade. Yeah. I hope so. I really, really hope so because uh, I know it, they tried years ago with VR and it just flopped. It's a bad time probably. It probably was yeah. just timing but now it's become more and more I don't know. The public's ready to accept it and has the means to accept it. Mm. Also, I think all this cyberpunk <laughs> genre of cyberpunk has yeah. become really popular lately. Yep. And you realize, you look around, you're like, yeah, this is cyberpunk. It is already here. We are, yeah, yep. we are living in that yep. dystopian future. <laughs> yep. But but in, in, in consideration, like right now, do you think it's easier or more difficult to be, let's use the word, uh, creative? Mm-hmm. Do you think it's easier or more difficult? I think it has its own challenges. I think there's no such thing as easy. <laughs> in this life okay <laughs> um, or at least I think with every job there are its own challenges every time period so uh, the the challenges of this job are I guess for example if you're trying to strike it out on social media that's hard it's so hard and it's not really about just 
how well you create your works or how good good looking you are it does matter i think quite a lot that's very honest of you (laughs) yeah that's why i struggle but um but i think to social media relies on certain algorithms that if you just don't fit Mm. you don't fit and no matter how good a i don't know 3d model you create or beautiful painting you make just no one's going to see it so those are really unique challenges at least for this digital side of art creation that i don't have the answers to because i'm also trying to figure out uh (laughs) and yeah those are not easy um because these things are used as metrics by companies now who look at your portfolio they treat your instagram as your portfolio i mean i use my instagram as my linkedin now so Mm. uh it's it's hard to use something primarily as your job maker if you can't actually, you know, understand how it yep. works. Yep. Yeah. So that's that. That's just the digital side. And then the, I guess the usual, I know Singapore, we have lots of like parents approval of like art or you can't do art. You've got to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer. Yep. That's still very much life, mm-hmm. I think. At least, I think. I, yeah. At least that's what been that's what's been communicated to me. Mm. Uh, I mean, I it's changing because every time I conduct, like, say, a workshop for, you know, just an event, uh, a lady or a, a older gentleman will come up to me and ask, "I have like a they'll they'll be like, I have like a kid who wants to do art. You know, um, what do I do? You know, what a is it does it make you money kind of a thing do you tell them to run for the hills <laughs> <laughs> i tell them it's it's really not what they think mm. there are jobs within the industry that they're just like any other job really you're just working yep. and creating content for like a nine to five yeah, yeah. nine to five yeah. it's no different it's just that you're probably probably not doing math crazy yeah. math <laughs> Though you do sometimes, mm-hmm. but you're not doing that kind of math. Yep. Um, so, you know, it's it's fine. It's not that bad. Um, but if you're like me and you want to freelance, it's a bit different. Yep. Uh, you really have to have, I guess, a bit more discipline with how you plan your day and how you choose your clients <laughs> and how you <laughs> say yes and no to things. Yep. So that's, that's a lot of that. That doesn't come with like an instruction manual or... You know, but it's also interesting to 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 think about not professions, but how you can make money these days with uh your your craft and your talent. Yeah. Like you have, I think this is this is the thing I realized when Twitch Twitch became a thing. Mm-hmm. In a sense, the individual is combining a lot of uh traditional skills like hosting. Mm-hmm. They're combining a little bit of like uh videography they're com- they're combining a little bit of uh, content creation they're combining like uh gaming mm-hmm. all these four are melded into being a, a twitch content creator yeah and the really successful ones they they bridge into becoming like mini celebrities or yeah. mini influencers yeah and if you were to describe that to let's say someone older it goes back to the idea of it is not one fixed job. There is it's no not. fixed category like you can call like a Twitch content creator because it bridges so many things. Yeah, it's it's gig based, right? Yeah, you just do so many different things. Um, 
it's a it's a new job it's a new uh, it, it has different requirements um and you have to wear a lot of hats mm. uh i mean you guys do it too right it's you your clients no two clients are really the same mm -hmm. uh they come from really different like industry sometimes and the same for me and you never know what you're gonna get and uh, that's part, <laughs> part of the fun part right and the challenge and the challenge but i think the reward is crazy great because the work that you come up with at the end you just never thought you would have done mm. uh or would have wanted to do like years ago kind yep. of a thing so it's a good it's a great challenge uh and it's there's it beauty in it uh but definitely I wish there was a instruction manual for this. Like all these <laughs> more, you know, more guinea pigs before me. Time and, to write a book. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> Time to illustrate. That's, that's a, a whole nother thing. <laughs> oh, that's so much work. So in in conceptualizing that there are so much tools out there, tools and mediums really, and yeah. platforms. Yeah. What do you think to to you personally is important for a creative to to be aware of moving forward? Your, your question being there's a lot of tools and resources what is important that there is always going to be like a cycle of, of tools and mediums and platforms yeah. so assuming that uh, there isn't as much investment in all these things because they keep changing and yeah. you have to keep adapting what yeah. do you think is important to the creative well I mean back to uh, actually the, the big lesson I learned in RISTI which is just don't be afraid of learning don't be afraid of just readapting to newer scenarios newer softwares they're always going to change i think that if anything that i learned from school that i'm willing to impart verbally <laughs> in my mangled way <laughs> it is that um the teachers were very honest about this which was they kept saying that when you go out into the workforce whatever you learned here is irrelevant like all the softwares three years down the road who cares like mm. it's going to be a different software yep. it's going to be a different tool um but what stays the same is you and your willingness to adapt your willingness your vision to you know see that it's all the same thing it's just another tool um it's whether or not you can then harness the qualities of that tool to fit what you i guess have come to really learn about a bit about yourself kind yep. of a thing yep. what you understand you're good at yep. and then you convey that through these new tools so I think that to me was my mangled version of what they said <laughs> um, at least that's how I, I interpreted yep. it uh, but it has worked for me at least because I've changed softwares like hundreds of times now yep. um, and they're so different from each other they all lead into each other but they are different yep. and and I think if you told me this before I went to school, I'd definitely panic and say, then why am I learning this? Mm -hmm. And what's the point in anything at all, exactly, right? Yeah. Uh, but it's fine. It's okay. You learn something, you create something with that. You've, that thing has lived its life and you learn something else. Yep. And then you try to make as much as you can with that new thing until it's no longer relevant. Mm. And you learn something else. I mean, that's that's just how life is, right? So what has being a freelancer taught you about yourself? <laughs> like, well, did, did, were there any, was there anyone to, to not to teach you about freelancing, but guide you through it about how to like do the, the, the proper business management of it, the, 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 the nuance of it really? Because it's such a, 
Failure. Failure was um, <laughs> a good teacher. Okay. So you learn when you get like, um, when you fail, when you underprice, when you've made all the mistakes you could make and then you realize, oh, that guy's charging more. You know, I should charge more. Or, oh, you mean I could protect myself uh-huh. with a contract? Yeah. Kind of a thing. Or like, oh, darn, I've done like a million changes for this client. Yeah. So you learn to fail, at least for me. And that's why I try to make that a bit more accessible and transparent to people mm. who want to learn a bit more about this industry or how to get started. Or at least just people who are doing it on the side. I don't want them to spoil market. Mm. So I, I try to say, you know, don't undercharge. There are certain market standards that you should try to fit within. Um, because if not, it hurts the industry as a whole. And yeah, I mean, it's uh, it becomes a really bad thing for everyone. Mm. Uh, but yeah, no, I think a lot of it I learned through making the mistakes. But also, I guess to an extent, some of my professors were able to impart some of that knowledge saying, because they've dealt with people who became, students who became freelancers. And some of the professors were freelancers. Mm. So they were able to share a little bit on it. Though I do wish that there was a specific course, you know, for mm. the business side of art because that's so important. That's very important. It's like the other flip side of the coin to this business, right? Yeah. That we always forget. We think it's just about making pretty pictures, but it's actually a lot more than that. And yeah, I, I'm still learning. So don't 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 come to me asking yep. for all the advice. I'm no guru in that. A <laughs> guru. I am... <laughs> I'm really just learning from my mistakes and from everyone else that I can access on YouTube and other resources. Um, The work salary man too, right? Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So I'm learning a lot from all these resources and making my mistakes. (laughs) Trying to avoid some of them too. Not not too drastic of mistakes, hopefully. Yeah. Not too drastic. I'm in lucky. Lucky. Lucky enough. do Do you have a different process of conceptualizing, let's say, commercial work? And personal work? Yeah. I don't conceptualize personal work. <laughs> the okay. work is an exploration in itself. Mm. Um, there's no clear definitions for my personal work. I don't set out with personal work with clear end goals or any goal, really. Just, yeah, I'm really driven by fun. I'm obviously a slacker at this point. <laughs> I keep saying fun. Evidently. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just having too much fun with that. Um, but I do have a lot more fun with personal work because it is, there are no restraints. The restraints are, the, the limitations are really just time and mm. you effort. Know, effort. Yeah. And my personal investment in, in my imagination of it, yeah. for example. But whereas client work, Hmm. I don't know. It's the, the process behind it depends on which client I get. Some clients require me to have more sketches. Some mm. of them just trust the process. They're like, we wow. trust you. And that's really rare. <laughs> yeah, like, I I, I'm not that lucky. I'm not in that place where everyone's like, do whatever you want. <laughs> uh, I wish, but not yet that. Not there yet, sorry. Yep. But um, uh, yeah, it's usually the process of sketching. Uh, it can be a 2D sketch or a 3D sketch and that sketch then develops into a color concept, mm. uh, color comps, uh, compositions and stuff where they can make their changes and stuff like that and then eventually just the final image. Um, obviously, if they have time, like they needed this yesterday kind of a thing <laughs> when they hired me tomorrow, yep. um, then 
this something whole, I have to give. Yeah, so there's a lot of compromise in between that has to be worked out. I think people are too a lot of, I guess, it, newcomers to the industry are afraid to tell their clients, "Yo, that's not that's not easy to work out. I yep. can't work with those yep. um, conditions." You know, you need to sometimes bargain that in so that it can actually fit everyone's schedule because it's impossible sometimes. So, yep. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much the workflow. A lot of back and forth. A lot of a lot of emails. <laughs> Hate emails. And it's also important to to ex to to understand that sometimes the client can be super unreasonable. Oh yeah, because yeah. I mean, I hope I don't make anyone feel bad. I'm lucky to not really get these sorts of clients that often. They do exist. Yeah, there are horrible people. Uh, you just have to push back. Sometimes learn to push back, and if you really if it's a job you could say no to sometimes it's sometimes worth the trouble because these some of these projects can you know you could hate it day one and then they delay the project for like a month or two mm. and then you're working on it for two more months yep. of hate and that's really bad it's not productive yeah. <laughs> it's not it's just back and forth yep. so over time you learn to kind of like gauge who is who mm. or at least just understand based on the parameters of the project like whether it's achievable realistically and then you try to you know either work it out define it better or say no to the project so yeah there are horrible clients <laughs> <laughs> i'm lucky to not have had many um so yeah hopefully all of you will be as lucky as me <laughs> i think yeah i think cases fringe cases such as like like a terrible client or a client expecting a lot from you i mm -hmm. think falls through the cracks when people are talking about uh like like the more business side of things because mm -hmm. unfortunately you not just have to worry like as a freelancer you not just have to worry about creating the art you also have to worry about the front end and the back end of it yeah like the entire process really yeah and that yeah. is a lot of things to there's like three different balls to juggle at once for sure yeah, yeah you got to deal with emails a lot of communicating i think communication is the really important skill that needs to be learned when dealing with clients mm. um and i mean it in terms of like i don't know like how do you how do you bargain how do you convince them that actually you know your education in the arts your experience in the arts kind of weighs a bit more than some business yep. decisions in how art should be made yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, because or their pinterest board <laughs> yeah they, they, they trust so much in their pinterest boards <laughs> you know some of them do i mean I, it's it's unfortunate and, and i feel like it's not that i'm offended by it it's just that i worry that art and design therefore takes like a backseat in, mm -hmm. in Singapore where yep. it just follows it's too afraid to experiment to try something different instead it just it just does whatever someone's found on Pinterest that has been successful it's been done before yeah. yeah it's been done before and stuff like that so it's hard to grow when that's their, their only source of exposure to what yep. is out there yep. so yeah, I mean, communicating that is really important with your clients. Showing them also, it's not impossible, I think, if you have the time, of course. Yep. Um, and I can imagine it's also a very difficult thing to grapple as a creative because, like, paradoxically, like, to to 
there has element of, of being a freelancer that there has a certain set of consistency. Like yeah. you have to output like a certain consistent amount of, not say amount of work, but standard of work. Yeah. But on the flip side, to to really expand your 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 role or to expand your your capabilities, you really have to experiment. Yeah. And then you only have unfortunately a finite number of hours. Yeah. <laughs> it's like how like yeah. it's always like a push and pull, isn't it? So you can't really experiment so much with client work. That at the end of the day is the reality. Client work is meant to be a bit more faster. All these they they came to you because they know you could do something <laughs> they've seen or something they know you could emulate. So they want you to just do that. There's very little room for experimentation. But if you do get those jobs which say do whatever you want, mm-hmm. that that's that's the dream job, right? Um but of course that's why it's really important, at least to me, to have time set aside just to create your own your own content. Because if not you lose perspective on why you're doing this in the first place. Because you're just doing someone else's art mm-hmm. at the end of the day. You know, you you love art, right? Most of us who are in this industry, we're doing it because we love it. We want to do it and we just, you know, it's just important to us. And I think that when we try to blend it with work, we forget that we're doing it for yep. that reason. And we start to just focus on what someone else is Once. paying us to yep. do. Yeah. So it's really important to remind ourselves through personal projects, for example, which is another thing that I learned in RISTI. <laughs> nah, nah, I'm just kidding. But it's but kind of like it a is. symbiotic thing, isn't it? Like It is, yeah. it is, for sure. Uh, I, I feel like even, you mean like symbiotic in that professional work informs your personal work? Like you need your personal work to to really have the space oh, and yeah. uh, like, like being comfortable enough to explore. Yeah. While on the other hand, if you are a professional uh, illustrator or whatever, you need you still need to pay bills. Yeah, yeah, and that is another like facet of yourself that you have to. It's very I important. Guess, um, what's the, what's what's the word for it? Uh, be okay with. Yeah, there are these two facets here. Um, for sure. Uh, I also think that my professional work has ins- informed my personal work. Um. For example, the 3D isometric cityscapes. I never did that until I started this project for Good Stuff mm. a couple of years ago where we did their website. Um, I've never done anything like that before. It really forced me down this path of like, oh, wow, I actually could do this and it's pretty fun. And the results were amazing. Uh, so, Was it challenging initially? Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, it was crazy challenging because I didn't know how to do it. Um, and... But I mean, I think, I, I don't know, it's funny because people think that at that point in time, I was really good in 3D, but... People think that at that point in time, you were really good in 3D. Yeah, they thought that I was like the only illustrator here could do 3D modeling. Yep. I just knew whatever YouTube told me. You know? <laughs> the YouTube like, universe. Yeah, <laughs> that's the best school ever. Yeah. Um, no, so I, I, I learned on the job. Uh, most of the time, um, even with, let's say, this other project that I did where it was a lot of flash animation style kind of stuff, yep. I learned on the job because I never learned After Effects or animation. Um, and the job actually forced me into learning it on the spot just so that I could actually get paid for this job. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so That's you're right. Level, yeah. yeah, so you're right in the way that they, they do work together symbiotically and that's in that sense also. Yep. Yep. So it's uh, interesting that the work creates, the work informs my personal approach to art also. This this podcast 
episode feels like a very very good advertisement for dual monitors you can have you can watch the videos <laughs> and then one monitor and you can work on the other yeah no it's great i think dual monitors is amazing um, i have to agree yeah <laughs> don't get the curved screens <laughs> if you're a creator that's you know you can't draw straight lines you don't know if it's straight i have a friend who 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 bought it out of a mistake oh, no. and he was asking like do, do you have a curve more i didn't know i was like did you get a curve yeah i got it and when i do it like straighter like the light <laughs> it's, it's a curve light yeah yeah don't, don't get a curve light a uh, curve monitor because it's gonna confuse you 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 yeah it's just it just doesn't work it looks good though you save that for the gaming setup <laughs> yeah yeah you so you need to have three monitors now. Yeah. <laughs> So in 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 recent years, you have uh, dabbled in showcasing galleries. Mm-hmm. I believe you had a showing uh, at Mulan Gallery, mm-hmm. and you also recently a part of the the residency at Streets Clan. That's right. How is is showcasing um, in in the confines of a gallery? Is it something that you have always wanted to do, and how did you uh, approach the opportunity to, to do these two things? Well, actually, I've I've done a few. I've done two more, mm. or at least three more before Mulan Gallery. Um, and I mean, I always thought that that was where, I mean, at least before I went to RISD, that's that was kind of the, I, I wouldn't say the end goal, but it was just where I envisioned what art was. So I was like, oh, art galleries, obviously. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Right? Paintings. <laughs> so um, to be fair, I enjoy painting and that's why it still exists. You know, I paint and I I enjoy being able to share that and show that in spaces. Um, that whole process that is something that is precious to me. Um, the tactile feel of paint. Yep. You know, there's only so much digital stuff can get, you know, can actually convey that I don't know that unique tactile presence of paint on canvas mm-hmm. uh, or drawing on paper for mm-hmm. example it's close but not that not the same even drawing on the iPad is different from it's paper. still different it's a different tool I just see it as a different tool altogether it's quite similar but it's different mm-hmm. um, so yeah no, I've been a part of the gallery scene a bit yep. but I, I tend to shy away from it just because I don't know what to talk about when it comes to art um People always have these expectations that the artist can explain every one of their paintings to yeah, them. Okay. I'm not sure if that's the case, but I can't. Mm. I, I just I just create the paintings because that's what came to me in the then then. Yep. I enjoyed it or it meant something to me. But most of the times I just wanna share that and just let it, leave it up to interpretation. So I'm not so comfortable with the gallery scene just because I don't feel comfortable imposing my views of my art on other people. I tend mm-hmm. to like that to be open, a bit more open to whoever views the work. So yeah, uh, gallery work is fun because uh, you actually meet lots of people you... It's it's a it's a great like it's like a reunion of sorts. A reunion. <laughs> yeah, like people who it's like it's like suddenly I don't know, it's like, oh, if I held a gallery show, 
people I haven't seen in years ah, okay, start okay. coming to the show because yep. they're like, oh, there's nothing to do in the weekend. Or just Andre's got a show. Kind of <laughs> thing. Cool. My friend's got a show kind of a thing. So I've never been to an art exhibition. Let's just go then check it out. And that's when I actually meet and reconnect with lots of people. So that's the part I actually really enjoy about these, these I guess, you could call them installations. Uh, not installations, it's more like just exhibition shows. Yep. Um, it's because um, it's an opportunity to reconnect um, more than anything, really. Does it give you a chance to explore perhaps particular concepts and ideas that have been put away and or stashed away for a different time? It, it lets me... I guess it puts... It, it lets me... Exp- Experiment, or at least just push paint. Uh, I think there's an expectation now that I just create digital content on Interesting. a more frequent basis yep. than uh, f- actual physical medium. Uh, so it, it gives me the opportunity to express things the way I started with, you know? I, I mean, I started with painting and drawing. Mm. Um, that's my entire education at RISD. So I do love painting and oils and stuff like that. And usually when people find out I paint oils, they get a bit surprised. Like, oh, you paint in oils too? Kind of a thing. So I mean, I'm like anyone can paint oils really. It's just whether <laughs> it's just whether or not you want to deal with the turpentine. Mm-hmm. Or not. Uh, but it gives me, it's kind of like a hobby kind of a thing. A hobby? Interesting. Yeah, it's a hobby within a hobby. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You're an illustrator of a hobby for painting. Yeah. <laughs> Very interesting. I mean, that's was one of the other hobbies, right? Yeah. The other hobby is building Game Boys Exactly. Now. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird. But um, yeah, it just gives me the opportunity to do something outside of what is expected of me professionally. Mm. Yeah. And that is pretty um, invigorating. Yeah, sometimes. But sometimes it's not because painting is tiring. It's so physical. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and uh, turpentine's horrible. What, what about it? It's horrible. The smell. Ah. Oh, I hate the smell. I mean, I, I think at some point I like the smell because mm. we were probably high on it. But <laughs> but yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just going to kill a lot more brain cells. Sounds like it. Mm. I am curious to know your... What are your thoughts on talent? Because I think the word talent is often equated in the realms of being good at art, being good at drawing and stuff mm. like that. What is, what? Overused. Yeah. I think the word's overused. And I don't think it's a fair word. I think a lot of people feel offended by it because they're like, yo, it's not talent. I worked to get here. <laughs> uh, I, I don't feel offended when people say it, but I do think that it's, it's not fair to the people who worked to get there. Um, but it's also easy to just shrug it off and say they just meant you well just saying that you, you're you good at what you do I think it's a lack of understanding of what they're saying sometimes mm-hmm. they're just saying oh that's amazing I can't do that you must be talented kind of it's, it's always used as a shorthand yeah it's yeah. a shorthand yeah mm-hmm. uh, they don't mean to say you were necessarily born with that all the time sometimes it does mean that um, but not always so yeah I mean to anyone who's offended by it, try not to be. Uh, it's just an off shorthand version of you're just good at what you do. Yep. Uh, but I don't know. Personally, I think talent, some people are talented, but I think talent isn't what we think it is. It's not that you're good at making art. 
I don't think that exists. Art's such an artificial thing. It's such a human activity um, that you can't naturally be good at it, if it makes any sense. Because it's a human construct. Yeah, it's a, it's a construct. I think that you're good at observing the natural world would be a better understanding of it. I think, for me at least, um, artwork looks great when you understand the medium, the tool, and how to depict to depict things. For example, if you're painting an oil painting, you understand how the oil works. You understand mm. how light bounces within the medium mm -hmm. and you understand how to depict light and shadow and stuff like that. It's physics. It's the world around you, right? Yeah. So it's just being able to observe these things and showcase it in your work that helps to make it look good. And then automatically people say, well, you're talented, you know? So I, I think that it's not that they're good at painting and drawing. It's just they're good at seeing. And I think that's really important. I think it's an interesting word when 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 people uh, use it as a shorthand for just something that comes naturally. Because I think a lot can be can be can be said about why why would someone say something like that? Is it because mm -hmm. they mm, they feel that it's impossible to reach? Because they don't want to to perhaps think that perhaps it's just all hard work and it's actually possible. It is. It's just you need to put in an enormous amount of like work to even get there. I, I think it's a way they a lot of people use to discount why they're not able to draw. Mm. Why they feel they can't draw. I mean, I've already said everyone can draw. Um, it's just whether or not you've invested enough time in it or back to the how, how we see things, not just how you draw how you see the world, you know? So it's a lot easier to discount someone's hard work by saying, oh, must be talented rather than say, oh, you put a lot of time and effort in that I did not put into this activity. I, I don't hear that. <laughs> I hear that you are talented <laughs> more than you put in a lot of hard work into that. No, 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 they don't say you put in a lot of hard work. So they're, they're really like, they, they rather say you're just talented. You're born of this. Yep. You didn't have to work for it. You were born of it. Yep. Therefore, if in my position, I am not born of it, that's why I can't do it. Mm. You know, so it it makes them. I don't know. I'm not. I'm sure it's subconscious. I'm sure it's Perhaps, not yeah. intended. But I feel like it makes it, it. It puts down even that person who tells themselves that they can't do it, which is back to why I feel like it's really important to tell everyone that anyone can draw. Anyone can make art. It's just whether or not you love yourself well enough to yeah. say that it's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Precisely. It's not bad. And I can make it better. You know? So what about the idea of perfection? Oh, it, it's rubbish. <laughs> uh, Why is it rubbish? Because the marker always shifts. Um, there is no... I don't know. How do you define perfection? You can't, really. It's just... It's just impossible to reach kind of um end goal and you will never be happy <laughs> but it's always the idea of of creating art that it has to 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 hit or it has to to achieve a certain level of perfection however mm -hmm. the individual defines it before it is quote-unquote good enough to mm -hmm. showcase to the world which results which it could result in not it not ever being shown because you're always trying to grasp at it yeah I mean, I mean that that yeah. You you're always gonna be gr grasping at it, and I think that's a great place to be. Actually, 
because um, you're never too content. I think that that's actually a quote in V for Vendetta. Uh, what is something like contentment or like happiness is a prison? It definitely in sounds a like way. a quote from V for Vendetta. In a way, yeah. I, it's not that dark, yeah. um, but to constantly try to grasp at um, perfection, trying to reach it and attain it. I think that that's a great place to be able to be it uh, as long as you're doing it healthily. But it's also to be aware of it, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. You gotta be aware of it. You're not like just chasing blindly. You're not that 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 chasing that carrot kind of a thing. Yep. You're actually just, you know that you can't really attain it, but you still try anyway. I think that that's, that's a great uh, mindset to have because then, I mean, You'll be proud of all your, you can be proud of all your work because you know that you tried your best every time you've attempted it. Yeah. Right? As opposed to a perfectionist where it's never good enough. It's always bad. Uh, I never put in enough effort. See, so it's really self-inflicting. Deprecating, deprecating really. Deprecating, yeah. Deprecation, yeah. But so as long as you can positively think about it, I think it's fine. Perfection, that, that, that dream of perfection should be, I mean, it's, it's a human dream, right? We all want perfection yeah. to some extent. It, it, it's why someone will even want to pursue the long hours in the first place to, mm-hmm. to drive to the idea of perfection. But yeah. to your point, to do it in a healthy way, because I think the idea of being an artist, I often hear the idea of like artists and starving artists. Like yeah. that is always the the, the follow-up to that. Mm-hmm. But I think the idea of being um being aware of your, your your internal drives of creating mm-hmm. and being and doing so in a healthy way. I think both can coexist. They can. I mean, it's a very very normal thing. But oftentimes, like being a creative, it feels almost like you have to deprecate yourself to 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 create something. <laughs> and when you create a mental link, I mean, <laughs> where's the bottom? <laughs> That's very true. Yeah, it's it's very dangerous to be in that place. Yeah, and I've seen lots of people burn out because of that because you just cannot can never achieve it. Where's the bottom? Yeah. <laughs> So um, I'm just curious to know, um, are there any particular habits that you have to unlearn yourself? Uh, habits that I have to unlearn. Well, I mean, I've I mentioned that when I was in the States, I felt like I was probably too intense in my work. Intense or intense? Like intense. So I, I was really, I don't know, like m- most things didn't matter as much as the work. That as long okay. as I could, I don't know. It was very self-driven. Yep. Um, overly so. Overly so. More so. I think it was overcompensating for all the time that I was just underachieving. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, that when I was there, I was trying very hard to achieve. Um, so, I mean, sometimes when you do that, you forget to see the things around you. Mm. Uh, it's, it's back to perspective, right? You need distance between you and your work. Uh, once you're able to learn to distance yourself between you, your work, suddenly life becomes less pigeonholed, less bleak, less um, gray. Um, there's a lot more room to it. I think that I had a problem of just constantly working. Mm. And now I respect my weekends, for example. That's really wow. hard to go. Very, it's very hard as a creative to respect your weekends. Yeah, it's like 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 putting down whatever you're working on and yeah. going out and actually living. Through, yeah, living. Yeah. I mean, it's hard because art is part of my life, very much part of it. And you enjoy doing it. And I enjoy doing it. Yeah. So 
I try to... Uh, I mean, that, I can't say that there are really any lines between it. It's just that sometimes I enjoy certain drawings more than 3D modeling, for example, mm-hmm. and vice versa. So if I... I mean, I can actually just do 3D modeling for like work or drawing for work, mm. but then I can do more drawing after that for myself. So being able to draw that line, I think is super important because then, yeah, you just don't burn out that way because you remind yourself constantly of why you're doing what you're doing. Mm. Uh, and that's that's really important, I think. That, and it's very really hard to learn, to unlearn um, constantly working uh, on the project and to learn how to actually kind of like, draw a line between work and play. Yeah. I think that's quite hard to do. And I do struggle with it still from time to time, but yeah. weekends, yeah, I slack. <laughs> <laughs> I I think move up looking perhaps a year or two into the future, I think conversations such as what you just said about drawing boundaries, it's going to be a lot more apparent because I think a lot of, um, if we look out into like tech um, and social media and I guess YouTube these days, I mean, people are taking whatever they're interested in mm-hmm. and they're turning it into a career. Mm-hmm. There are always like articles and videos about how like burnout is, or, or creative burnout or perhaps burnout with regards to work is, it's very, um, what's the word for it? It's very, it's very real because you're constantly working and you're constantly battling the algorithm, like what is popular and you're constantly researching and you don't even realize how um, how it's taking over your life and you don't live it. And yeah. after that, you, you do so much and, and let's say you're not getting the views and stuff like that. And then it just, it just spirals. <laughs> I mean, my, my point of view of that is just don't rely on Instagram as uh, the way to look at your job, your work and what you do. Don't use it to validate yourself. Uh, it's there, it exists, it's a platform, but it's not everything. I think that's very important. I think a lot of people forget that sometimes um, and they become a bit too obsessed with getting the likes and views and follow accounts. Mm. It's important if, with regards to some jobs, but it really isn't everything. And I mean, there's, it's really harmful to rely on the algorithm to determine how you validate yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's very dangerous to to rely on that. So, yeah, I mean, try not to, uh, try to distance yourself from that. Or at least draw a line between um, social media and your work, your personal work, especially. Um, because I, I think there was recently an artist that posted saying he hasn't posted in a while because he was trying to unlearn just that, actually, um, that, you know, he creates art because he enjoys it, not because he needed the views or the likes or anything. And it's very hard to unlearn. And I'm not sure if I fall into the category. I don't think I do where I need the likes or anything. I know it. It, it, it it's something I look at, but I don't think it's, it's hit me hard like some other people have where it really matters mm-hmm. to them. Uh, it, it tells them how good or bad they are in their art. So... Uh, it's it's hard to unlearn that, and yeah, it's it's tough for sure because it's everywhere, right? I think, it's, I think it's something that creeps up on you, and yeah. thankfully we have age. We're not young. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, no, but, but think about it. If if you are growing up in this day and age with yeah. all these, I think it's hard. It, there's a conversation to be had that it is difficult because at that particular age, let's say like 
13 to let's say even 18 to 20 i think yeah. it's the age where you are learning about different things learning about yourself and when you are faced with um these platforms with yes. um invisible algorithms and all these different things to actually game you i mean it, it's difficult it's a losing battle it's almost losing always battle, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah you're right actually it's gaming you yeah yeah uh worry about the kids who grew up in um this time when everything is that the births were documented in mm. social media since day one yeah the first exactly day on exactly it's horrible I, at least i think it's horrible maybe they think it's normal but like, yeah. like to find out let's say 25 years later like yeah. all your pictures have been shared online since yeah, like since day one day i think one. that is that's a bit too um dystopian actually <laughs> it is it yeah. is but it's already here you know it's 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 really weird um and i mean we may see it as negative maybe they think it's normal they probably will think it's normal mm. and in fact the ones who do not have their lives documented back then that's weird you know it's like it's like i don't know if you've met lots of people who've never had a computer no not at all so i've met some in the states in school and it's crazy it's never like, had a computer never had a computer never touch a computer won't touch a computer because it's like some foreign thing yep. and they struggle with it and it's i mean it's to me I, I worry that that's the same for social media if you're not on it you're invisible you you're, you you don't exist basically you do but not to everyone else like that mm, uh, mm, I, I don't know it's it's hard you do exist but somehow you you treat it differently mm. you're gonna be treated a bit differently but i don't know <laughs> tricky tricky so to 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 wrap up this conversation i'm just curious to know your thoughts yeah. what do you think of art in the future what do you think it will look like do you think it'll be any different from how we we perhaps look at it how we experience it do you think what is your vision your, your own personal vision for art in the future maybe for yourself or like in general um well i mean there's this whole nft thing going on right uh i think that that has a lot more t- i don't know i i am really divided on that so i'm not sure but i think that exists and that will continue to exist in its own way so that will influence how art shifts also mm-hmm. how art is being bought yep. how art is being shared um but it's obvious that i guess what i can comment on is how digital art has become a more acceptable form of art that people are they don't bat an eye when you say oh yeah that's art they're like yeah Mm. that's art you know that's someone created it and they're probably going to say oh must be talent you know kind of thing (laughs) so so but whereas back then everyone's like oh you just click a button and it's it just appears right yep so i think that there's a going to be a all these i hope that there's more acceptance of digital media media in art and because it is why not and and it pushes the boundaries of what is art and what we can imagine really because look at vr and ar it's crazy what we can see and experience have you seen the one with the cat in tokyo where it's not even vr and ar it's just a screen that has like a I think it's like in the corner of a building, a tall building, and it's like a live, it looks like a live cat. It's a 3D cat that just goes about its day from like morning to night and just like stands there, sleeps there, falls off a bit. It's so cute. It's cute. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. And it's just in the corner of a building. In yeah. the proje- I don't think it's a projection. I think it's a screen. Yeah. But that's just, that's just, I mean, that wasn't possible years ago. So I think it's exciting and I, 
I really just can't wait for it to be here. I mean, it's really here. So do you think holograms are in our future? Do you, do you think we'll see in our lifetime? Holograms? Um, well, the technology is out there. Um, I've actually seen some uh, when I was based in Boston for a bit because uh, I, made, I made some friends in robotics and in That's holographic, cool. yeah. hologram kind of like feel. I'm mangling it all up, but that's what they showed me it looked like it it looked good um but yeah i think it is possible though i think that you know the space is being fought between holographic stuff and ar because they do essentially mm. the same thing uh except that ar relies on you having a wearable which yep isn't impossible i think everyone has some sort of handphone or smart device or a wearable in the future so that's gonna be here so AR is like the the consumer implementation of the holographic technology in a way yeah i i imagine so and that would be yeah it's, I, I would think so because it, it can it can actually utilize things like depth yep in 3d space yep. in the real world which is brilliant yep. you know it's like all the cyberpunk posters you have up here yeah <laughs> so do you think the future that Cyberpunk 27, 2077 envisions, do you think it's possible? Like the enhancements and well, the, not the, video the machinery. <laughs> <laughs> the idea of the it. The idea of it. Yeah. What was sold yeah. in the what was sold, yeah. yeah. Um probably not so dark. <laughs> um But yeah, I mean in terms of technology, maybe. I, I think probably not too extreme though. Cause while Cyberpunk 2077, for example, explores a more extreme idea of like how, modifications yeah, and yeah. self-modifications and all that. I think in reality, we are a bit more hesitant to jump all the way into things. So it's going to be a very slow and gradual process towards something close, but not quite like it, hopefully. Maybe changing a pinky or something. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. I think it starts with just fixing um, handicaps. Yep. Like, uh, like medical diseases and stuff like that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, like just, yeah. I think that's how it starts. And then over time, we just utilize it. There's an acceptance things. of it. Yeah. It slowly becomes more acceptable and then people uh, implement it in different ways in day-to-day -day lives. I think a lot of technology was actually based on that, like the remote control, for example, is just because uh, it, it was invented because it needed to, it was created for people who couldn't move. Ah, and that then, makes sense. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah if I'm not wrong, that's how yeah. I read at least. Yeah. And then over time, it just became like everyone else's televisions yeah. thing and they got lazier and lazier <laughs> <laughs> because they didn't need it actually yeah. you yeah. know yeah so, so these are like the consumer implement implementations like if, if someone's able to mm -hmm. like uh, make that into a product yeah then if the product is successful and that's how it gets integrated absolutely so this has been a fantastic episode. Where can people find you, uh, find you online? What are your socials? Please share them. Oh yeah, sure. Um, so my website's Andre underscore we. Oh, I think, no wait, that's my Instagram. Andre <laughs> underscore we. That's my Instagram. My website's andre-we.com. Uh, if you can't find me, just Google. It's easy to find it that way, I think. Um, but yeah, I, I'm usually just more active on these two platforms. I do exist on art station and also linkedin but i tend not to use them so much but it, feel free to reach out to me on any of these platforms i usually will get back to you on on, on any of them 
So, uh, San Andre, your memes? No memes? Memes? Yeah. What memes? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, ask me any questions regarding the work, the profession, or even just how to balance it, or even just, you know, just the little things like technique and or iPad specs. I know that that's the number one question I always get. So please ask me any of these questions. I'm so more than happy to help. For the record, what iPad specs do you recommend? Well, I'm using just a 12.9 inch iPad, but that's just because I need the space for mm. my work. But mm. honestly, any iPad which can utilize Apple Pencil on it, I think that's a brilliant drawing tool. I mean, it's not even a plug for it. It's, I really love drawing on it because it's so easy and accessible. I carry it around with me every time. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's, it's my modern day sketchbook, essentially, without burning trees. Exactly. Yeah. This has been a fantastic episode. Thank you for your time, Andre. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode and feel inspired. If you enjoyed what you heard thus far, do give us a follow on Instagram. And don't forget to share and subscribe. Stay tuned for the next episode.